0: Andy Minio, how are you?
1: I'm doing better than I deserve, so I'm good.
0: Oh, that's good. Where in the world are you today?
1: I am actually in New York City. I'm home. Uh, I'm actually going to be home for the drop of the album, so it feels good to to be in the hometown where it's all happening.
0: Yeah, and you do reference your favorite place in the world, Uptown New York City, on this record. We're going to get to that in just a Mm -hmm. tick. But, you know, this is your second album. It's just about to hit. It's quite a different sound to your last one. What's the feeling like as it's about to get out into the world?
1: Yeah, man, it's pretty nerve-wracking. It's pretty anxious. Uh, I'm pretty anxious because, you know, um, I've seen what's really worked, you know, for for people uh, in the past. And so there was a temptation on this album to really just kind of create the same records that I've done in the past that have worked. Um, but, you know... Uh, I really just wanted to be free to create whatever I felt like at the moment, because I feel like that's the the reason why people enjoy my music anyway. Because I'm not trying to follow any formulas. I'm just trying to create honest music, you know.
2: Mm. And
1: uh, so it, it's it's a little nerve wracking because it's different, and I and I don't know if the fan base is prepared for it. You know, if people listeners are gonna be ready for it, or if they're gonna say, you know, we want the old Andy. But you know, I, I had to be honest to myself as an artist and, and creator. I felt led and what I felt inspired by at the
0: time. It's it's definitely a different record and you're definitely pushing yourself, your comfort zone, so to speak, uh, both musically and thematically. Can you take us into the world of this album and, and what the concept of Uncomfortable is all about?
1: Absolutely. So Uncomfortable, there's a couple of reasons why I named the album that. Uh, one is just that kind of feels like a word that sums up where I am in my life. Um, you know, as far as, uh, you know... And in so many ways. In so many ways, it feels like where I am in my life. Uh, between um, uncomfortable with the state of music and wanting something more and wanting to push boundaries, uncomfortable with my own comfort, uh, uncomfortable with the new changes happening in my life, like getting married and um, you know traveling a lot and creating music and the pressures of uh, carrying a banner. You Because know? wow. uh, I'm not just carrying the weight of my, my, my own reputation, but the weight of something much bigger than, than me. Uh, so that, and, and this, this phrase came to mind as I, as I, uh, was working on my album. Um, it says, uh, good art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. And that's just something that I was really aiming for, uh, on this project is to, to comfort those, uh, that are disturbed and to disturb those who are comfortable in order to let my music be a conversation starter for meaningful, for m- meaningful conversations, um, and, and meaningful things i feel like we live in such a, a trivial world with such fast-paced world with you know mm. tweets and and tweets and and you know instagram posts and those are great things but they're very trivial compared to the deeper deeper more meaningful things in life and i just want my music to be a segue into meaningful conversations for people so that's a little bit of uncomfortable
0: Yeah, and in many ways it seems like, you know, you're living the dream. You're a a rapper in New York City, your favorite place on earth. People may think that you're living uh, a pretty comfortable life, but how do you live uncomfortable day to day?
1: Yeah, um, I think that, uh, like, uncomfort or discomfort is something that all of us uh, experience. But I think what happens is oftentimes when we're trying to... um, we're often after our own comfort as our first, the first thing that we're looking for, right? So, uh, in that, I think we can, we we don't embrace discomfort for and, and and by not embracing discomfort, we don't find out what that it could pr- produce in us. Mm. Does That make sense. Mm. Um, so every day, you know, I'm dying to myself to live a life that uh, I, I'm trying to live a life that I believe that God desires me to live, and oftentimes it's uncomfortable, you know, um, but Instead of running from that discomfort and, and chasing my own pleasures selfishly, uh, you know I'm trying to embrace the discomfort and say that this is going to make me into something better. And I think um, you know there's lots of different ways that that happens, but that's that's the main idea.
0: This album's expected to do quite well uh, across you know not just in the Christian sphere but the mainstream as well. What are some um, of the what are some of the positive and negative things about being a Christian in the spotlight?
1: Yeah, I think um, positives are uh, being a Christian and, and mainstream, or just in, in the spotlight, is that you know you bring hope to other people who feel like they don't have a voice. You yeah. know, in the, in the Christian, in the Christian world, you know, we, we're very um, underrepresented in mainstream, mm-hmm. and then when we are represented, we're usually very poorly represented. Um, you know, so we got like televangelists or miracle rag sellers. You know, I mean that's that's most people's perception of. Christians in in mainstream culture. Uh, So it's encouraging to be a a face there and to offer great art um, and to offer, you know, an honest worldview and perspective and encourage those who are believers who feel underrepresented and misrepresented to to be that for them. Mm. Um, That's a good part. The bad part is, uh, you know, the scrutiny, I guess, that comes along with it and the yeah, the placing the placing on a pedestal, you know. Oftentimes, the, the people who are most harshly criticized are the ones who have strong stances on things, um, because you know. And I don't and I don't necessarily blame people for that, but it's hard because you receive a lot of criticism and uh, you get a lot of people trying to uh, prod at you or poke holes in uh, in you uh, because they don't want to see that kind of perspective. I think a worldview in in the mainstream culture, mm. so. Yeah, I think those are a few pros and cons.
0: The uh, the single that you've uh, most recently released, Hear My Heart, it's a beautiful song written to your deaf sister, uh, Cr- uh, Grace, and you're quite yep. apologetic on this track about not learning sign language. Can you tell us what this song's all about?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, you summed it up pretty well. I grew up uh, with my sister, Grace. She, um, she was born deaf, and she was uh, quite a few years older than me because there was a, a gap um, in and you know in uh when my mom had me and and her and some of the other kids and um you know so me and her never really got to connect very much, and one of the reasons for that was there was a barrier uh because of language mm-hmm. you know she she uh she um couldn't understand what I was saying, but we would often have to um, re- she'd often have to read my lips or if, in order for me to get in touch with her I'd have to you know, stomp on the floor or, or run around to get her attention. Uh, so communication has always been strained in that way, but she she does very well at reading lists and, and the communication that we were able to have was because of her tremendous skill in that. Um, but, you know, our, our relationship has never been super tight because our communication has always been uh, limited. So, you know, a few years later, um, you know, I'm about 25 years old and I'm uh, I'm hanging out with her. And she introduces me to a community of her friends. And when she did, they all begin to speak sign language. Mm.
2: Um,
1: and I noticed at that time, and you now I explain this in the song is like, wow, for the first time, I feel like the outsider, the person who doesn't understand what everyone else is saying. And, uh, I got a little glimpse into her life and the way that she lives her life, uh, and how lonely that must feel to not be able to hear what everyone else is saying. And, uh, that's when I kind of grew this compassion for, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've never taken the time to learn uh, ASL, to be able to speak with my sister. I just kind of brushed it off. And, um, you know, it it left quite an impression on me, uh, so much so that I wanted to make a song about it and apologize to her for that.
0: Wonderful. Now, there's a, there's a much more mature sound on this record, and you've said in, uh, in your show Saturday Morning Cartoons that you've lost your sense of youthful idealism. Do you feel as though you've grown a lot in the last two years since Heroes for Sale came out?
1: Absolutely, without question, both personally and artistically, and yeah. as a writer and a producer and as an artist, all around I've grown and changed, and, and I think rightfully so. I think anybody who's I think anybody uh, who's growing, you know, there should be changes in their life, uh, and you know, yeah, absolutely. Hmm.
0: Uh, what influenced the the varied sounds on here? Because I was surprised. I listened. There's there's not the kind of party anthems we've heard off, uh, you know, right. like Neverland and and the previous record. Uh, yeah, what what influenced this new sound?
1: Uh, really wanted to push the limits um, of my artistic ability and i think one one thing that is um then a a phrase for me is like man in order to innovate failure needs to happen and i think people are too scared to fail or try new things people want to just do what works because they want to be liked obviously um but i'm not as much concerned about just being liked as i am about you know being true to myself as an artist and as a person and trying Mm. to Um, fulfill the potential, you know, that I have. I really feel like I have potential to, to really create some innovative and different music. And I want to, I want to keep on digging into that instead of just doing what works. So I didn't do the party anthems, uh, because I've already done that. Mm. And I don't want to do that again, you know. So it's like, I I want, I want to push myself creatively and see what else I can do. And if people want the party anthems, you know, they can go listen to the ones I've already made. Mm. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm trying to grow and change and, and find a new sound not just not just in in in, in uh, you know kind of the bubble I've been locked in but in music in general
0: I want to talk about the album cover for a sec because uh, it's you know it's pretty unique it's got your face pressed on a, on glass was it legitimate mm-hmm. was it actually done on a photo scanner
1: it was did that <laughs> in on a little uh, canon. Uh, scanner. <laughs> right
0: there. Was it the easiest photo shoot you've ever done for an album cover?
1: Yeah, it was the cheapest <laughs> yes. I've ever done. I'll tell you that <laughs> me and Alex Medina, big shout out to Alex Medina. He's, uh, he's been a producer for me for a long time. a good friend. He did a, uh, Uno Uno and a couple other records he produced, uh, uptown on this album, mm. but, uh, he's the art director at reach records. And, uh, we were out in California and we were out there for a meeting about, um, Uh, album artwork. And so he brought this little scanner and this little idea he had about, you know, pressing my face up against the glass. And so right there in the hotel room on the little hotel room bed, I I set up the computer (laughs) and the laptop and we took some pictures like that. And, uh, you know, out of about a hundred pictures, that was the one we chose and that ended up becoming the cover.
0: I love that, you know, all around the world, there's all these rock stars trashing hotel rooms. What are you doing? You're taking photos of your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scanning. Oh, it's great. Exactly. Now, there's a lot of love on this album for New York City. I, I, I've i never been to New York City, but I was just going to... I wondered if, if I was to come over on a flight today and we were to hang out yeah. for the night, where would you take me, Andy? Uh,
1: I'd take you a couple spots, man. I'd take you out to go get some dinner first. I would probably go to La Marina. Mm. Um uh, La Marina is a—it's uh, right next to the water on the, on the Hudson. So mm-hmm. you can see the George Washington Bridge, yeah. the bridge that connects Manhattan to New Jersey. You can see the water. You can see the lights. Incredible food, uh, and that's right down the street from my my spot. And then I take you probably to Probus, which is a cool, um, uh, a really cool boutique shop that sells all kind of clothes and stuff like that, sneakers. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, probably end up going down to uh, apartment seventy-eight. Which is a a locally owned business, kind of little club uh, that my friend owns, and you know have some drinks there and hang out, and uh, that's that's probably what we do tonight. We'd eat a lot. All in
0: uptown. All in uptown. That's right. And there's a track on the album called Uptown. You have really captivated my my vision of of New York on that track, and also here now. I want to. I might book a flight right now. What do you think?
1: Come on, come with it. I gotta <laughs> leave on Saturday, but if you can make
2: it,
0: do it. <laughs> sure thing. Now uh, I want to ask you a few questions about uh, some things I've seen. You tweeted earlier in the year that you were hoping to release two projects this year. Is that still yeah. on the cards?
1: Um, it is. Okay. It is actually, but uh, it's really going to depend on how much time I'm able to invest in the project between uh, now and the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That's the second project. I actually have, like, three projects floating around, three other projects. Um, one of them is a solo record, uh, one of them would be a collaboration record, and the third one would be a compilation record. So they're all kind of in the works, and so whether or not they drop this year or next year, I don't know, but, um, yeah, so they'll be coming out at some point. I'll
0: tell you what, your Aussie fans are probably salivating right now listening to this. I am.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah man, the, they're going
0: to be good. Oh, well, the, the new album comes out, you know, tomorrow. So that's enough. That'll keep us uh, happy for a while. Are you going to bring this album to our shores in Australia?
1: Uh, I would. I would love to. You talking about touring over there?
0: Yeah, touring. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Uh, I was there for the first time ever this past year in January for the. Uh, uh, I think it was Cloud Festival or is it something oh, in, like that. Oh, in New we'll Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand, and then we came over. We actually went to Australia too. Oh, uh, I went there for I think a Hillsong conference. Yes. Um, so yeah, we did a we did a couple things over there, and it was a blast. I reckon
0: um, I reckon you and and Reach should come over. Bring a few guys. You you would sell yeah. out shows here. I reckon.
1: Yeah. Well, I uh, we'll see what happens after the album drops and after the the, new, the uh, U.S. tour is over. But I'd love to make it over there in London and, and uh, Europe and, and just kind of, you know, get my foot in overseas. Mm.
0: Yeah, you might, you might even find some more uh, influences on your sound from international flavors. I and mean, there's a lot on this album already, but nothing Australian on there.
1: I know. I, well, I've been practicing my Australian accent from the last time I was there.
0: Oh, really? It's not very good. Yeah, it's not very good. Can you give us a go? Uh, hey, mate. Uh,
1: uh, got heaps of music coming your way. And. <laughs> What's the other one? Oh. <laughs> if you don't buy my CD, I'm gonna give you a wallop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you got yeah, that from Finding wallop. Nemo?
1: No, I. Uh, me and my buddy were over there. Solomon from uh, Family Force Five. You know, that was just a phrase he kept going around. We were just cracking
0: up. I don't know anyone who says wallop.
1: Yeah, it just sounds like it. Just sounds like an Australian. Okay, movie, so I just was. <laughs> I give you a bit of wallop.
0: Now, before you go, I'm about to play the song uh, "Love." It's a beautiful song. Really got it got so much soul to it. What's the story behind this track?
1: Yeah, actually, <laughs> funny story about this record. Um, uh, the the beat was originally produced by Illmind. Uh, he's the executive producer of the project. Uh, big shout out to him. He's produced for everybody Drake, J. Cole, and Kanye, all those guys. But he, he's a monster. He executive produced this project. So he made the, the the beat, and we loved it. We made the song, and at the last minute, before the album was due, the album is due on Monday. Uh, this is Friday. We find out that the sample that they used, that we thought we had cleared, could mm. not be cleared. So we had to either uh. scrap the entire song or completely remake the song. Gosh. So I jumped in a in a bus and went uh, down to Philadelphia here in in uh, Pennsylvania. To get in the studio with my buddy wit and uh, 42 north and we created the entire song over from scratch with live instruments um and we had to do it literally over the course of a day wow. you know do the whole thing over in order to submit it so what you're hearing is a last minute remake of the record in order for it to, to make the album
0: but you still and, wanted it uh, on there
1: that's because i wanted it on there because i loved the what i was talking about so much i really felt like the album needed it hmm. so You know, there's lots of stories, actually, behind this album, how it all came together, but, um, you know, that was one of the more pressing ones.
0: (laughs) All right, well, let's give it a listen right now on Sydney's Hope 103.2. This is Andy Minio and Love. Andy, thanks so much for your time and all the best with the album release.
2: Yeah, man, appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me.